Well, good morning, everybody. Isn't it fantastic to be here together, just being here with Jesus in Jesus' house? Isn't it wonderful? I hope you're feeling as blessed already as I am. Thank you, Sandy and band. That was just so beautiful. We've just got a lot going on in our church. Um, the best way to find out what's happening in our church is actually to look in the bulletin. But I just want to highlight a couple of really significant things that have happened. The first thing was that on Wednesday evening this past week, we had our general meeting. And at that meeting, we all passed a significant policy for Mission Watch. And that policy was approved and it actually outlined and detailed what it would mean if we were to send people from within our church as missionaries to cross-cultural settings. And on Wednesday night, our church approved uh, this policy as well as financial, pastoral and prayer support from Marg and John Docking as they head off in uh, just over a week's time to Uganda for two years and we're going to hear more about that later on. Also, um, in the foyer after the service this morning, Mason Taylor has been doing his degree through BCV and uh, I guess uh, a lot of us can attest to the amount of work that that's been for Mason as we see him um, burrowed away in an office. Um, he has to do a survey for one of his subjects and he needs as many of us at the end of the service to fill out a survey for him. So would you please help this young man uh, that's been called by God to be trained um, to help him with this subject and you can get the uh, surveys I think at the information desk. Please don't leave before you've fill, filled that out. Lots of other really wonderful things, um, a refresh evening coming up, Life Force programs commencing uh, on the 21st of April this year, Breathe starting a, a new term with new exciting programs. Don't forget this Easter, our Good Friday service at 9am and on Easter Sunday, 10am in the morning and 6pm. 30 p.m. at night. Our services are called First. And these little flyers went to every household in Wodonga this past week. So we're really excited. We'd love you to invite your family, your friends along to our church services. We've also got some pastoral prayer. Um, there are an, a few people within our uh, fellowship in our family here that are undergoing uh, quite significant uh, health issues. And I'd just like to briefly pray uh, for Lois, Lois Spur. Lois is undergoing surgery sometime this month for cancer. Uh, we've had Lynn Bell have surgery this week for cancer. And we want to pray for her recovery. Jenny Nicholson's husband, Russell, is in Melbourne at the moment at the Alfred, undergoing tests and possibly surgery. So we want to pray for them too. Um, but also, uh, in a moment, we're going to take up a special offering. Now, this is distinct from our ordinary offering that we take up every week here. Uh, for the purposes of this church. This morning, we're taking up a special offering for James and Carolyn Punton. And a couple of weeks ago, James and Carolyn uh, shared with us, both in the morning service and in the evening service, as to what they do as very, our very own missionaries here at La Trobe University. And they're two marvellous young people, a married couple. And we are really privileged to have them here in our church. But also, I've really been praying and really excited that this morning, as we come to take up the love offering for them, they will really know just how valued their work is by us here in this church. And, you know, there's many ways that we can show our love and appreciation and support for people uh, that step out in faith. But a really significant way is actually financially. 
So as I, ca- as, um, I come to pray, I first want to pray for those that aren't well, and then I'll move into a prayer for James and Carolyn, and immediately after that, we'll be taking up a love offering. Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, we just thank you so much that you love us, that you came and you died for us this morning, Lord. We are just so excited to think that not only are you here in our midst, but there are so many elements of this morning's service that just exemplify and witness to who you are. The music, communion, the word of God as it's preached. But Lord, you also came to bind up the brokenhearted. By your stripes we are healed, you said in your word. And we believe that the same power that enabled you to raise, be raised from the dead, that now the word says lives in us. Lord Jesus, by that same mighty power, we are going to believe that you will heal and restore the physical health and lives of particularly Lois and Russell. Lord, we also pray for ongoing healing in Lynn's life as well. We thank you, Lord, that you have brought these people into our midst and we pray that they would know your peace, your healing power and your comfort as they face the days ahead. Lord, we also praise you and thank you for James and Carolyn. Oh, thank you, Lord, for their witness. Thank you for their fervour and their passion for you. Thank you for the fact that they go out into a very harsh mission field where young people are lost and need to hear the wonderful, saving news of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, today, as we come to take up our offering, Lord, may we give with grateful hearts. May James and Carolyn be praising you for the generosity that is encouraged and exemplified here amongst their family here at Wodonga and District Baptist Church. Lord, we give you all the glory for what they will do. Bless their work. Bless it mightily, we pray. May we see revival at La Trobe University as a result of faithfulness. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Church. It's great to be together and you're all look a lot more chirpy this week, an extra hour of sleep. So that's exciting. Hopefully you'll listen well. Not that you don't usually. It's exciting because today is a special service. It's a commissioning service for John and Marg Docking. And we're so excited that they are heading off to Uganda. And what a what a day it is for our church. Um, I think if you've ever remembered going on a journey, you'll remember the uh, preparation, the planning, and the, and the careful thought at which you need to give before you go on the journey. I remember my dad uh, asking me to go with him down to Wilson's Promontory. I was about 10, 11 years old, and dad thought this would be a great father and son time. And Dad didn't know much about hiking, and neither did I. Uh, so we just went down, and it was about two, three kilometres into the walk where Dad said, oh, you probably shouldn't have bought just your, your runners with no support for your shoes. And uh, I remember about five, six k's in, my feet started to really ache. And as we kept walking over the weekend, uh, Dad having to pick up a 10-year-old boy and carrying him for the end of the journey. When you come on a journey, it's important that you think about the things that you take on your journey. If you have your Bibles this morning, why don't you turn with me to Psalm 86. Psalm 
86. Psalm 84. Did I say 86? Psalm 84. This is a psalm where the psalmist is just longing to be in the house of God, longing to be close to God, yearning uh, to, to be close and with those who are worshipping him. Here's, let's read from 1 to 5. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near your altar. O Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. Here the psalmist is just longing to be with those who are worshipping God. He's even looking at those birds who have privileged enough to have made a nest and found a home in the temple of God. And as he looks, he looks at those who are travelling and journeying and making a pilgrimage to the place of worship to worship God. And for many of us, we have come to realise that it's God who made us. And when we've come to that realisation and we realise that through faith in Jesus Christ, we can be forgiven and that God has a purpose for our life and God has called us and wants us to journey with him on a pilgrimage. When we look at this verse, we can understand why the psalmist was longing to be with those who were pilgrimaging, who were journeying with God. And I think in many ways today, Marg and John have been on a journey. It's uh, not starting uh, just in the next few weeks, but it's been a journey that they have been on for some time. Even before Marg and John uh, were, were married, um, Marg spent time, 12 months, at the Cape York Peninsula where she was as a, as a nurse working. Um, they spent six years in Yekala, up in the Northern Territory, and there John did plumbing and, and Marg raised kids in Yekala. And then uh, many years later, 2003, Africa, Corrigocho, Marg walked the slums of Corrigocho. And in that time, some questions just came <laughs> piercing to her heart. How does my faith in Wodonga and Albury, the kind of faith that I, I live there, how does that speak and fit in a slum in Corrigocho? What would Jesus feel in the face of these, this extreme poverty? She saw that they had minimal privacy. And yet, amongst that group of people was such a dynamic Christian faith. Since being deeply moved there, more than 88 toilets have been built through Marg's uh, vision and passion, through partnering with African Enterprise. And uh, now in that slum, Instead of when it rains, it becoming just a, like a huge sewage bowl, uh, the toilets are now uh, functioning and they're fast reaching towards the goal of 200 toilets in Corrigocha. In 2006, uh, they went to, uh, J both John and Marg went to Kenya, uh, to Corrigocha and Nairobi. And they also flew to Malawi to check out for us uh, what it was like there in, in Malawi to meet Scott and uh, the Gervins and the Wilmonts and to see what was happening there and prepare for a mission trip that we would future send, send in the future. 
they went with Tom and James and Josh and they also went then to Uganda and, and Ginger. In 2007, Marg led a mission team from our church over to Malawi and they spent time too in Kenya. During this time and since then, Marg and her boys have started a micro-enterprise business which is helping people from the slums in Cotton, City Cotton, Kenya. And what, what this is doing is helping people in the slums actually make baskets and sell their baskets at a fair and reasonable price. It's giving them an income. It's helping them have a living. Um, another, just another part on the journey for Marg and John that God's been leading. They began to explore the possibilities of where God was leading them and came convincingly to feel that through African enterprise, God would have them serve in Uganda. The journey has long begun and this is the next step in their journey. And as we come now to hear more from Marg and John and their journey. Don't miss the fact that God has got you on a journey. That if you know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, and even if you don't, the fact that you're here means God's wanting to speak to you and lead you on an exciting journey that he's already been planning before you were born that you would be part of. So let's uh, listen to Marg and John and hear what uh, God's been doing in this stage of the journey. Let's welcome them and we'll bring them up to the lounge. <laughs> welcome. Let's just relax the lounge. Yeah, the lounge. Oh, oh, oh. 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 You right? Oh, is that me? I'll pull that out, mate. Now I'm right. I won't be touching it. Is that? No, you can put it back on. I'm not touching it anymore, mate. <laughs> can you all hear me? This is the lounge where we're supposed to relax, even if I could touch something and could explode. <laughs> and Marg and John, it, it's exciting today, isn't it? As you look out across all the people here, mm, the yeah. next stage of the journey. What, what's what's happening now? What, what's coming in the next few few, few days? Nine days, fourteenth of April, Tuesday after Easter. We're flying out at twelve eleven thirty from Tullamarine and going to Singapore to uh, stop there to see Thomas, our our big boy, and uh, then we go on to uh, Uga uh, Kenya and Uganda later. Right, a few days, five days later. <coughs> And how long are you going to be spending time in Uganda? Well, we thought we'd go for a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great. That's a big commitment, isn't it? Um, as, you, as you go and thinking two years in Uganda, what have been some of the biggest challenges for you in, uh, in preparing to go in yeah. going? Um, the uh, biggest challenges are definitely our health and our safety. Uh, Uganda is, uh, is reasonably violent and um, uh, we're going to be uh, needing to be careful we don't get malaria, car accidents, mug catching HIV or AIDS because she's delivering babies with mums or, or yeah, mm. who've got, got HIV or AIDS. Um, and just developing relationships. Mm. Developing relationships in a cross-cultural setting is something that is exciting. I love it. And I, we did that. We participated that in, that in, in uh, the Northern Territory with the Aboriginal community. We loved it. And I, I just uh, really know that that's going to be a very wonderful part of our experience. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to, to that. We both are. Um, but there's a huge challenge there because we're not 
We need to get things right, sort of like making a good decision every time you make a decision. You, we really do need to, to get it right so that we can move uh, with God on it. Yeah, so that's going to be a real challenge once you get there, isn't it? You know, the, the dangers of, of all those things that you could catch and the trouble and then building relationships, yeah, they're yeah. going to be real challenges. Mm. Now, what about in, in leaving before going here? So you're actually, um, I imagine you'll be saying goodbye to family and friends. What are the challenges around those kind of things? <laughs> yeah, um, uh, well, I, 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 it's a family. It's always a family. Yeah. Um, I live and have felt that my call in life was my family. I, I thought that after my family had grown, grown up, that was it. I'm, I've, I've done everything I had to do. Mm. Um, it seems that that may not, may not be the case. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, my 93-year-old mum said that she'd be thrilled um, the, that my, da my dad would be thrilled, he died some years ago, that my dad would be thrilled uh, to know that we're going to Uganda. She set me free to go to Uganda, a 93-year-old mum. And, of course, I, I, I don't, uh, at 93, I can't expect her to be going on for years, but um, I'm just giving that to God. And, and then my children, Joshua, our youngest, 20, just turned 20, and we've got responsibilities there, which we know are... Uh, really important, and we, we feel for, for him in that, but we do believe that God has got us, uh, uh, needs us to move at this point. Mm -hmm. I think um, one of the other big challenges in actually leaving is a, is a major shift in our thinking. Mm. Um, I guess we're a culture of, uh, we're a typical couple in a, an Australian culture and we've grown up thinking that independence and um, security is what we really strive for. Yes. Um, my parents, you know, taught me to be independent and strong and, you know, all of that. They were strong characteristics that mum really liked in, in, in her kids. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, anyway, I think... I think that our, our culture is really helping us uh, fall asleep in some of the big things that we probably need to have a little shift in thinking. And one of them is that independence is such a good thing that you know you've got to buy your own home. But sometimes it's it's not your own home. It's it's so, another home and another home. And security is huge. We keep getting messages about um, how important it is to look after our own security and how much more we're going to need to be secure. Mm. It's, it's endless. Mm. And um, particularly at our age when, you know, you're looking at super and, you know, all this sort of stuff. And we've had to make a major shift and we've had to actually ask people to um, give us money. Mm. It hasn't been very easy. Mm. So, um, yeah, that's, that's been really big. So really from that independence yeah. you've had to be very dependent. Yeah. I mean, I'm hoping Kevin Rudd will give us some too. So. Yeah. <laughs> 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 That won't be so hard to take, but um, it is actually. Um, yeah. I pay my taxes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But, you work last night. Yeah, I work. But um, you know, it is really actually very hard to put your hand out and ask your friends to help you. Mm. It's mm. actually really hard to say thank you, and um, so I say thank you uh, for Wednesday mm. night's meeting and accepting us and uh, promising to, to look after us financially, because I think um, that both of us have found that. Hard, draw up a little card and hand it out to people and say, give us money, you know, sort of not what mum taught me to do. Mm. <laughs> so. Well, if, if then you're going to leave your family and, uh, and, and your loved ones, and if, you know, you're moving out of your comfort zone, what I hear you saying, why on earth would you go? Like, why would you go? Uh, I'd like to have a go at that one, Jonathan. Um, now, the reason why I would like to go is that in my life there have been three major uh, risks that I've taken. Um, and those three major risks, if I hadn't have taken them, I think that uh, I would be in a much riskier position now. Uh, when I was uh, 11, I stood up at about Billy Graham Crusade and gave my life to Jesus. Um, when I was... 26, I um, had a, a young woman, a young girl, who I really felt I had to make a move on. And, uh, <laughs> and if I hadn't have done that, where would we be now? 
And yeah. um, when I was uh, 46, we were, we were thinking about moving up to Yakala to work on an Aboriginal community. And uh, that, again, was a huge risk. But looking back on it, I think now, as I do, um, that uh, if I hadn't have taken those risks, uh, I would be far in a far more riskier place today. And I feel that uh, those decisions were better than the alternatives. Mm. Uh, so I look at this opportunity and I believe it's a greater risk for me personally, I believe this sincerely, um, for me not to go. Yes. Wow. Mm. Mm. It's a good answer. Uh, yes, Mag. Oh, um, I was going to say, it's probably a little bit different for me. I, um, I can't stand women dying in childbirth. Mm. And that's, that's about the bottom line, really. I, I can think of lots of other reasons why I go, but in the end it's that, you know, why should women die in childbirth? They don't hear. Mm. And um, John looked up the Ugandan online newspaper the other day and I couldn't sleep at the end of that. We're not doing that again at night time. We're not reading that. <laughs> We're enough trouble sleeping. But it's basically um, 1,500 women a year will die in childbirth in Uganda. And uh, Margie Crouch does the stats for our deliveries over there and we deliver 1,500 a year. And um, most of them think they're dying. I <laughs> 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 had three last night told me they were dying. <laughs> I said, ah, oh, get over it. Me and Epi Daryl. I just call up Fiona Christie. She was running in. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I, I really can't cope with women dying in childbirth and I think that um, training is uh, a really um, important, important thing and um, I look at all of Uganda and I just, you can, I can't sleep, it's too big. Mm. It's just, you know, I'm not going to go over there to save Uganda, mm. right? But I look at um, the master model of Jesus and he actually um, spent, this is simplifying everything, but he spent most of his life training. Mm. He spent three years in ministry and he put huge amount of energy into 12 disciples, mm. into leadership. Mm. And um, I think if we had a big prayer focus, it would be that John would find some plumbing trainers. I would find some midwives who are, and, you know, and we could learn quickly from each other. Mm. And um, we could impact a group of people because it's mostly women who can't, get um, access to trained hands. There's just not enough midwives. Mm. So um, that's what I'd love to do. Mm. Yeah. Look, we've got a DVD. I, I think it would be good, wouldn't it, just to mm -hmm. have a look at that DVD together mm -hmm. and get a bit more of a picture of what you're actually doing over there. And then I've got one more question I want yeah. to ask you as well. Right, Let's, can we go to the DVD? I feel like a TV presenter. Isn't this exciting? <laughs> incredible work you're going to be doing and yeah it, obviously you shared earlier about some of the diseases and challenges there mm. that, that's really quite quite serious for you is it, that you'll be facing them there mm -hmm. do you want to say anything more about that or um I th probably the only thing i'd like to add is that um we've we could have chosen to work, go in there's plenty of aid organizations that really will take up the skills that we've got but to me, um, skills training is part of it. Um, I, what I like about uh, African Enterprise is they do evangelism, um, leadership training, reconciliation training and social action. So we come under social action, but it's a beautiful thing to work in an organisation which is looking at the holistic mm. um, uh, community development is about change. And you can't change a man until you change his heart. Mm. And the gospel's got to work at uh, leadership, at, uh, in, in the government house, in the palace. It's got to work uh, in, in Kibera, Korogocha and the slums, refugee camps. It's got to work. Mm. And uh, we're, we're part of it working in, in our way. And um, we looked at the Yao people. We looked at um, 
what it was like down there. And we spent a lot of energy, a lot of time, a lot of talking, a lot of emails, a lot of travel, and the Yao are not quite ready for what we have to offer. And so it wasn't going to work. So we need to find something that works, and we want to work through a church. Mm. And um, this is our home, and uh, we want to feel as if um, we're working for you in Uganda. Mm. And um, after Wednesday night, we feel like that. <laughs> well, that's my last question, really. We, we've, we've actually adopted this new mission policy on Wednesday night, um, and now uh, we've sort of wholeheartedly uh, agreed together that, that uh, we as a church should adopt you and commission you and send you off. I think it's $8,000 a year um, for this year and next year that we'll be supporting you, so 16000 in total. And then um, in a moment, we're going to just delight in, in commissioning you and, and, and doing that together. And um, I just wonder, what does, it, what does that mean? What does it mean to you guys? Well, what it means is a, a mighty big thing. <coughs> Thank you, really. It's a mighty big thank you to, to our supporters. And uh, it's a cake in the, in the house. It's a, it's a meal in the fridge. Um, and this has been happening over the last few weeks. It's um, people coming and uh, wanting to support us. There are a lot of things to be supported in our Christian outreach in this, in, uh, in this church. And uh, some individuals are fit, uh, have felt led to support us. To those, uh, those people who are supporting us financially, a really big thank you. To those who are not, um, just keep doing the things you're doing because um, God's using you in those areas uh, and we, we love you in, in that capacity. And also for the, uh, for the prayers. There are people who have been praying for us, uh, significant prayers over the recent days and we've really been the beneficiaries of that and it's just a huge thank you. Uh, we can't do it without you. Uh, we feel like, if you like, and I don't mean to sort of rub Jonathan up the, right, the wrong way here, but I feel like staff now, and uh, I'm not trying to move on his position, but I just, I just feel like we are a part of the, the, the body of Christ here. And, and for me, when I'm sitting over there in the coalface and I know some people over here praying for me, that is what's going to pull me through. Mm. Great. Well, why don't we uh, ask you some questions together and uh, stand. Why don't we move over to the middle here? I've got some questions we want to ask. Well, all of us have gathered here this morning and um, we're here and we're giving thanks to God that he's chosen to set apart John and Marg Docking. And we're pleased that he's chosen to set them apart for work in Uganda. And we come here believing that they're taking a step of obedience and we come wanting to surround them with our love and our prayers as they prepare to go. So uh, I ask these questions to you, John and Marg, in, in front of our church and before God as well. John and Marg, do you believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? And do you confess Jesus as your Saviour and Lord? We do. Do you believe that Jesus Christ calls you and all people everywhere with the words, follow me? Do you believe that at this time, to be obedient to the call of God, you should work in serving the African people of Uganda? We do. Great. And Jesus said these words, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. In your ministry, will you seek to serve in such a way that the poor and underprivileged are cared for and encouraged, and in a way that people are able to see the love of Christ clearly demonstrated in your actions? We will. Great. And you've heard God's call, John and Mark, and will you continue to listen to him speaking to you through the people of a different culture. And you've opened your 
itself to God? Do you believe that he's prepared you to go to Uganda to work in partnership with others? Do you go willing to not only give but also to receive and not only to teach but to be taught mm. by the people there? Oh, yeah, we do. Mm-hmm. Great. You've committed yourselves to serve others, demonstrating Christ's love. Do you now recommit your life to him? Do you promise to make time for prayer, for reading the scriptures, and for reflection, so that all that you do may be firmly rooted in the love and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ? We do. We do. Great. Well, African Enterprise have partnered with John and Marg uh, when, uh, for the t- building of the toilets in Corrigocho as part of the water and sanitation project. And African Enterprise are now also partnering with John and Marg in this new step in the journey. They're the mission organisation sending them with us as the sending church. They've accepted Marg and John's application, and feel sure that John and Marg are called by God and that it is his will that they go. So now, church, I want to ask you this question, and if you uh, agree, just answer strongly and firmly, we do. You've come to express your belief that John and Marg Docking are called to work in Uganda. You've come to express your love and your prayers as they prepare to leave. Do you commit yourselves to continue to pray for John and Marg Docking, to support this couple and to express that prayer and support in practical ways? We do. Great. You, the people of Wodonga District Baptist Church, send John and Marg Docking to Uganda in love. We can each learn much from our brothers and sisters in Christ in Uganda. And in sending Marg and John, I want to ask you, are you willing for your lives to be enriched by the strengthening of the bonds of Christian love, which John and Marg's departure represents. Will you open your hearts also to the people of Uganda? We will. Great. Well, as part of this uh, time of commissioning, we've asked Ken Stevens to come now, and we thought right at this time we would just uh, sign a simple agreement, which is saying we do support, we do love, and we will be part of this together. So um, we're just going to sign one part each and then we're going to pray together as a church. Here's Marg signing her part. On your behalf, church, signing. Now we'll just love those. Thank you very much, Ken. Um, Deacons, members of the Mission Watch team, and and friends of Margie and John, we'd just love you to come up at this time. Margie and John, we'd just love you to come here and perhaps you might uh, just, is it comfortable to kneel? Yes, it is. Very comfortable. Surprisingly comfortable. We're going to pray for them and we've just asked um, someone from the diaconate, someone from the pastoral team and someone from the mission watch team to pray. So church, I think it would just be great if we all stood together, just a sign of our um, our praying uh, with them and standing and agreeing in this prayer together. So let's, let's pray and commit 
Marg and John to Uganda and let's send them as a church as we pray. Let's pray. Father, as um, John and Margie kneel before you today, we know that you are pleased, Lord, in them embarking on this journey, this mission. We just thank you for their commitment to you, Lord, uh, for their dedication, for their enthusiasm to the people of Uganda and therefore for you, Lord. We just thank you for their love for you. Lord, as they go for two years, such a long way away, we just pray for their family. We pray for Sarah, for Tom, for James and for Josh. We pray for their parents, their brothers and sisters. And we pray for this church, Lord, who they'll miss so much. So we pray and we trust in you, Lord, that you will be with their family, be with them, keep them close, Lord, in such a far distance. And we know that it's only through you that we can do that, Lord. And we trust in you to look after them. And we thank you for them. In Jesus' holy name, amen. That um, as they go out, they they come to a new adventure, a new journey in their in their lives. And um, Lord, we pray for the work that they go to. We pray that you will strengthen them for it, that you'll enable them and empower them for it. Father, we pray that you'll bring them the teaching and the educating um, opportunities that they seek. We just thank you that. You've given them their specific skills and their specific personalities that just equip them right now for this time. So we pray that you'll go before them on this journey. We um, pray that uh, you'll make their path straight and uh, just be such an encouragement to them that um, we, we pray that for the colleagues that they're going to, that they will be acceptable to them and accepted by them. Father, we just so look forward to hearing stories of the work that uh, you seek to accomplish through Mark and John. Thank you for them. Amen. And Lord, we just want to pray too for our church here, the church that they call home. Lord, we've learnt over the past six weeks that we are family, that we just don't come to an empty building and gather and then leave, that we actually experience life together and we call each other brothers and sisters in the Lord and Lord we know that Marg and John are brothers and sisters to us that we are their family their spiritual family and we would just pray that just as families love and care and think of each other and look out for each other and pray for each other, encourage each other, communicate with each other, exhort each other. Lord, we pray that as family to Marg and John, that we too would do the same here as a family for them as they journey for those two years in Uganda. Lord, we know that those two years, in two years, the, the embers of relationship can just die a little, can go a little cold, that they're not here within our midst to keep reminding us of the work that they are doing, of the call that is on their lives. So we would pray, oh, Father God, that you would just continue to keep a flame in each of our hearts, the hunger and the desire to uphold them and to support them continuously for the long haul, for the long journey, Lord, to, to connect with them, to send emails, to pray, oh, to pray, Lord Jesus, for their protection and for the furtherance of your kingdom work over there, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord, let the covenant be so clear between us as their family, as their church, as their spiritual home, and for them over there, disconnected from us physically, but not spiritually, not emotionally, not relationally, and not through communication and through your prayers. Oh, Lord Jesus, may we covenant to continue to love and encourage and pray for them. In your precious name we pray. Amen. God, we thank you that you are the almighty God, one who calls, one who's all-powerful and will strengthen them in their journey. God, we thank you that you're always present 
and therefore you'll be with them through every step that lies ahead. And God, thank you that you know all things and you can use every situation for your purpose. So God, we send them in your care, in your love. Oh God, strengthen them and guide them, we pray, as we stand with them in Jesus' name. Amen. So Marg and John, we want to say go in peace and in love. Go and serve and may the Holy Spirit empower you as you go. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Please take your seats. Uh, discussing a little bit. I think this means just responding to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Um, just today, Marg and John, as you continue on, I just thought as we go on the journey together, just want to encourage you with just three little thoughts for you. Um, when I've been driving with my brother, I've told you before, my brother's a federal police federal police agent, and I'll be driving with him in the, past, in the passenger seat, and I'll just be taking my time and going along, and we'll get to a corner or a you know, crossroads, and he'll say, clear left, Jonathan. And I'll say, what's happening? What's, sorry? He said, clear left. And uh, what he's trying to say is, as you move through this crossroad, you're clear on the left. You don't even have to look there. I know what's coming. It's clear. You know, and you can imagine him on a big pursuit together, you know, going clear left, clear left and all this. But that's what he's saying. And I kind of think as we go on the journey, it's good to have some voices that are really speaking to you, that God would speak to you in a, in a number of ways on the journey. And I think the first thing I want to encourage you to have is on your journey, take faith. Take the faith like Abraham had. If, if, we, if you have your Bibles this morning, it'd be great just to look in Hebrews. And this morning, uh, in Hebrews 11, is that great chapter of faith. And there's a time where the writer of Hebrews just, just says so clearly how important faith is. In Hebrews 11 and verse 6, the writer says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. So uh, take faith. In your, on your journey with you. Deep faith, faith like Abraham's faith. In, in verse 8 it says, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. That's great faith, isn't it? Uh, he, he went to a place where God was calling and he just obeyed and went. And we'd heard there's so many reasons this morning to not go. But you sense God is calling. And so you're obeying and you're going. It says in verse 9, by faith he's made, made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as, as did Isaac and Jacob who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city whose foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Uh, he, he, he really lived in a foreign land. It was, wasn't easy. It wasn't simple. There was dangers all around. He lived in tents. He, he went, though, with faith, even in the midst of very difficult and impossible cir circumstance. And because of his faith, he looked forward to what God had promised. In verse 11, it says, By faith Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, as he as good as dead, and he as good as dead, became descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and countless as the sand on the seashore. God was wanting to do a work in Abraham that required faith. Great faith. And because of Abraham's faith, God was able to be, build a huge 
family of faith that we're a part of now. And John and Mark, I think God's got big plans for you. And I think what will, will need to happen as you get there, you might find there are things that seem completely, you know, you don't understand why they're happening. Uh, you, you might not even know what's going on. But remember in all of that that it's God who's called you and keep your eyes on him. I remember Abraham in this story was actually had a, a baby and his name was Isaac. And what an answer to the promise. You know, finally God was doing what he'd called them to do to, to, to actually have this baby. And in Genesis 22 is the awful story of God asking him to actually sacrifice his own son on an altar. Abraham didn't say, God, what are you talking about? You know, you've promised that I'll be the father of many and here's this child and I'm so old and if I actually sacrifice this child, then the promise is over. You couldn't fulfill it. This is not practical. I must be hearing wrong. Now, Abraham said, God, if this is what you're wanting me to do, I will do it because my faith is such that even you could fulfill this promise a different way if you wanted to. And just as he was about to obey God's call, God said, it's all right. You don't need to do that. But I know that your faith is in me. There'll be many times and it'll be crazy and you'll be tempted to do things in your own strength, to short-circuit things because you think that's what God's calling you to, but really obey him no matter how crazy it seems, no matter how strange it seems. Have faith like Abraham. Take integrity on your journey too. Integrity like Daniel. In Daniel chapter 6, you might like to turn there as well. We read about Daniel and what kind of man he was where he was living. And as you go, as soon as you arrive, Mark and John, people are going to be looking at your lives and they're going to be thinking, what kind of people are these people? Are they people of integrity? Or are they people that are just going to tell us a few things to do and, and, and leave us? You know, do they really love us? Do they really care? In, in Daniel chapter 6, it begins, It pleased Darius to appoint 120 sandtrips to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so the king might not suffer loss. Now, Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps that by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of God. What an incredible uh, example Daniel was of a life of integrity, a life of uh, service, a life where, uh, you know, this was not even in a church or anything like that. This was working for government officials. And he uh, worked in such a way that people could not find any fault in him. You're going to be the talk of the town, you guys. You'll be white-skinned people there right in the Uganda and people will be asking, why have you come? And just want to encourage you, take the integrity like, like Daniel's. And his integrity flowed out of his love and worship of God. He put him God first and nothing would stop him from doing that. So these people, the satraps and the other people that were trying to really undermine Daniel, put into effect, uh, tricked um, the, the king to put in, uh, put, tricked Darius to put in a, a law that would stop people for the next 30 days from praying to anyone else but uh, Darius. And so what happened was that Daniel just went back like normal. He just went back and did what he had always done. Look what it says in verse 10. Now Daniel, when he learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. 
Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. When it was easier to compromise God's word, uh, to get out of trouble, to not, not pray, to not do uh, what God wanted, he chose to do what God wanted anyway. And we know the story when he ended up in the lion's den and God is more than able to protect you. So have the integrity like Daniel's. Third thing, I think, is take with you a, a costly sacrifice like David. Now, I found it hard to get the actual words of this one right, what I'm meaning, but see if you can understand what I'm kind of saying in this one. David, I think, learnt from a very early age that if you are asked to do anything, you should do it well, even if it costs you greatly. Can you remember when David was faced with Goliath and everyone else was running like crazy, but David said, this Goliath will be, this Philistine will be no problem for me. Uh, Can you remember why he said that? He said, I've been just a shepherd boy, one of the lowest jobs around, and that carries very little responsibility apart from looking after someone's sheep who's paying you to look after them. But what David had done was taken that job very seriously and was willing to even risk his life for this job that had, had no you know, status. And he said, while I was minding sheep, I killed a lion with my bare hand. Uh, when, a, when, a, when a bear came to attack the sheep... I stood up and I, I, I tackled the sheep, the, the bear. <laughs> Poor sheep, wouldn't that be terrible? <laughs> but, you know, there was a lot of shepherds who would run at that point. A lion comes on the scene. Many people would run like crazy and think it's not worth it. I'm not getting paid enough, but not David. He stood toe-to-toe with wild animals just so he could do his job well. Uh, I think there were other times when David clearly showed that he wasn't willing to run from tough situations and he lived life kind of knowing that serving God will cost you greatly, right facing uh, the Philistine Goliath. While everyone else ran, he said, uh, the battle's the Lord's. I'll trust in God. And even in the face of opportunity to fear and run, he stood strong stood firm, even though it could cost him his life. I think in 2 Samuel 24, 24, if you have that, you might like to turn to that. Towards the end of David's reign, um, in 2 Samuel 24 and 24, the writer's reflecting on all the things that Daniel had done in his reign and right towards the end of this passage, he reminds the reader of a time when David wanted to build an altar to sacrifice to God. And he came to Arona. And he said, I want to buy your fleshing, your threshing floor. The reason I want to buy it, this is in verse 21, is so I can build an altar to the Lord that the plague on the people may be stopped. And Arona said to David, let my Lord take whatever he please, it pleases him and offer it up. There are oxen for the burnt offering and there are threshing uh, sledges and ox yokes for the wood. Oh, king, Aurora gives all this to the king. Aurora also said to him, may the Lord your God accept you. But David replied to Arona, no, I insist on paying you for it. And then he said this, I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. I think David kind of had a sense that in order to follow God and to serve him and to worship him, it would cost him greatly. I think as you go, Marg and John, I think just have that kind of realistic understanding that it is going to be very costly over there. And that when things are really difficult, to remember David, who worshipped God anyway, who sung, wrote so many of our psalms, 
as he lived for God facing very costly situations. It strikes me that when we think of these three things, Jesus took these things on his journey, didn't he? Had great faith. Great faith that even if uh, he wanted to avoid the cross, if he said, you know, Lord, take this cup of suffering from me in the Garden of Gethsemane, but not my will, but your will. God, I want to do what you want. I have faith in you no matter whether it's what I want. I want to do what you want. And he had faith in God. He lived such a life of integrity that when they were trying to find reason that they could crucify him, they had to fabricate things about Jesus. He said, my life has been open before you. You've heard me always speaking to you. I haven't hidden anything from you. In the costly sacrifice, he gave his own life so that while Marg and John, you go off, we will go with you, knowing that Christ is with you in the journey. He gave his life so that you could live, so that we could live, so that the gospel message can go forth. So take faith, take integrity, and take costly sacrifice. And each one of us this morning, don't forget you're on a journey whether you are working at Kmart, take faith, integrity, and costly sacrifice with you. Whether you're a builder, whether you're a cleaner, whether you're at your, at, on campus lecturing, or whether you're a student, remember that God has got you on a journey, and if you know him and love him, he has plans for you. And have great faith that he's able to do whatever he calls you to do no matter how difficult it is. But if you live in a way that honours him, a life of integrity, people will see that. And that it's going to cost to do what God wants you to do. Let's pray. God, we thank you for Marg and John. Thank you for all that you've called them to. And God, help us to live in such a way that our journey brings you glory in every step of the way. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Just going to come around the Lord's table and we're going to do this as we send Marg and John off together. And Jesus, after his death and resurrection, gathered the people together in the upper room, the disciples. And many were around there with him in fear. They were afraid. After Jesus' death and resurrection, they'd seen so much of what had happened, and yet they hadn't seen Jesus yet. So it says in John 20, on the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed by what they saw. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. And he said these words, which I think are important for us. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. Uh, just a few days before, he had shared this meal with them, told them that he would die and that they should remember his death and resurrection whenever they met together. Then after he'd risen from the dead, he was with them and said, Peace be with you. Go, I'm sending you. As we take this bread and this cup today, let's remember that the one who died for us sends us out into all the world to share this good news with others. Let's pray. Won't you join me, please, in prayer? Gracious God, to whom all honour and glory is due, our hearts overflow with gratitude when we pause to reflect on the significance of the cross, 
on our journey towards you. We realize that our salvation is God-given, God-driven, God-empowered, and God-originated. We did nothing to deserve it, but deserve judgment instead. It was you, Lord Jesus, who willingly made your way to the cross and was crushed for our transgressions, our wrongdoings. Your journey while here on earth was to make a way, clear a pathway that we may enter into your family. When you suffered and died on the cross at Calvary, when you threw aside those grave clothes in the tomb, and when you stepped out into that garden on Easter morning, you forever broke the bonds of sin that hold us. You once and for all paid the cost of our sin, canceled the debt owing. Because of your mercy and grace, you have led us into the presence of God. When we realize again that all this was your idea, it was driven and empowered by you and is freely given, all we can say is thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. The invitation is for everyone who loves Jesus. If you uh, are thankful for Jesus' death on the cross, that he has saved you from your sin, then please feel free to participate this morning. As you're served, take the bread and eat it as you're served and hold on to the cup and we'll drink that together uh, as a sign that we're all one, his body. Let's share in this meal.